Spencer Investigates, which sounds like a very good film noir, but uh, of course it wasn't. It was Milton Investigates, which sounds more like... Philosophical. Philosophical, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Philosophical inquiry. Yeah, no, that was a, that was true investigation. I actually watched The Maltese Falcon in between last session and, and this session just to, to refresh myself. I will try and do a bit of a Sydney Green Street next time, but he's actually, he's, quite, he's got quite a strange... How did it measure up to my, my performance? I think you were up there with uh, Humphrey. You were, the, <laughs> you were up there with Humphrey. Yeah, so Milton went with Hammett and discovered some rather, well, perplexing facts of the case. Uh, seemingly Miss um, Isadora Turner, well, something very odd happened to her. All that was left was a smudged outline against the window and seemingly some device, some film device, did something to her. Meanwhile, uh, Hamp, Nora and Rita had gone to the crash site and recovered rather active bit of blue slime, which they now have in a gas can, slowly eating its way through a gas canister, which they have returned to the hotel where Dr. Emery had been furthering his research into the papers recovered from Hawksley Trevelyan's study, which seemed to indicate... Recovered? You mean stolen from? (laughs) Stolen, yeah. Well, you know, I guess in your write-up you can put however, you can frame it however you want. But uh, yes, I discovered that um, one of them was a blueprint for weird kind of movie camera, um, which I think with the help of Milton when he came back, he figured that out. And the other thing was, in the diary, Trevelyan had arranged to meet this expressionist filmmaker. Otto Todleben. Otto Todleben, yes, exactly, who um, had recently emigrated to the United States and is going to be filming Ziska at the Thornton Movie Ranch starting in a few days. Well, we managed to get a sample, but you might want to look at it before it eats through the floor. Well, I do very much appreciate the thought that you put into that and the risk that you must have taken getting the sample. Maybe I'd better explain what an anthropologist is before we get into any expectations about what I can do with a chemical sample. I'm sure it's perfectly fascinating, but I I do not think that I have the expertise to make head nor tail of such a thing. Come on, you got 1%, probably. (laughs) Well, actually, I've got Cthulhu Mythos at 10% now. (laughs) I could examine it and make Cthulhu Mythos roll, because what could go wrong with that? Of course. Is Emery an Irish name? Not that I'm aware of. Admittedly, I've never really been much of one for genealogy. But you're, uh, you're just telling us you're an anthropologist. Yes, yes, that is very much what I was saying, yes. Like, is that other people? Like, you know more about other people than yourself? Well, other people in groups rather than individuals. I mean, it's much more about the study of of societies and societal structures and the way that humanity comes together. But uh, as fascinating as that is, and as much as I would like to tell you about the very studies I've made over the years and perhaps give you a reading list, I am somewhat concerned by the fact that we have a sample of something toxic and hostile sitting in our midst and perhaps no real knowledge of what to do with it. Don't let me distract you, but I was... 
But can we speed up talking a little? I was wondering, if you're going to look at it, that's all well and good, but I was thinking maybe we could call someone to come and have a gander. I mean, that is a sterling idea and one that I entirely endorse, but I am, again, somewhat concerned by the fact that by the time anyone suitable arrives here, that the situation may have escalated somewhat. If we put it in a bath, then I think we're going to buy ourselves a bit more extra time. If that's what you believe needs to be done, young lady, then have at it. All right. Okay. I will put it in the bathtub. I mean, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. I mean, baths are made of ceramic. They're not very, uh, you know, typically acid doesn't eat through baths, does it? Otherwise, the acid bath murders wouldn't have been much good, would they? Mind out, mind out, detectives coming through. We got this blue liquid slime stuff in here. Back off, everyone, take care. Nora, Nora's carrying this. Are you done in there, Milton? Well, maybe I could get someone from the lab to come down here if I hurry. Just to give you a sense of time, it's probably been about 45 minutes, let's say, since you picked it up. You don't, of course, have any idea how long this thing might take to eat through. I mean, if you want to examine the gas can, you could do that and maybe make a make an educated guess. Okay, yes. I'd like to do that. See how much time I think I have. Okay, so um, make an education roll then, Nora. Education, okay. No. Mm, no, this is, this is not in your field of knowledge. Can I have a guess at this? Because, you know, I'm in the bathroom there too. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen old tanks, you know, you know, airplane fuel tanks, you know, a bit rusty. You know, I've seen that kind of thing before. But I think things that have got blue slime in, I don't know anything about, to be honest. No, no, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. What you do both realise is that it is obviously eating through the metal. You can see that where where it's kind of nestled in the bottom of this can, there's it's it's starting to, you know, the fumes have come off, and you can see that there's an indentation now in in the metal, a slight indentation, not like a huge one, but it's very hard to estimate. I was thinking, put it the gas can in the bathtub to give it. An extra layer. Yeah, not, not pouring it out. That's what I was thinking. Very sensible. Okay. I was about to suggest that if, if we're looking for a suitable vessel for this, perhaps either, um, depending on the volume, a teacup or a mug of some description, or if there's more than that, perhaps if we can procure a ceramic chamber pot. Make a luck roll. Roll for, be- roll for chamber pot. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. And with that pretty good roll, the good, the good news is it's not full. It's an empty chamber pot. Yeah, it's made from quite thick ceramic. This does rather circumvent the plug problem. I, I have yet to encounter a chamber pot with a plug in the bottom. I mean, thinking about it, that would be a rather poor design. Yeah, yeah, over-engineered. What I would suggest is that we decant the blue slime into the chamber pot and then we will be able to perform some sort of visual examination of it. But I think, obviously, the, you know, the idea of getting an expert who can actually perform some sort of chemical analysis or you know, perform something more than just a, an educated guess as to what this is, that would be the wise course of action. Do you know what, Emery? If you can believe it, Nora's on the telephone right now. Can I call Officer Danvers and try to get somebody? Yeah, you can. I mean, obviously they have a forensics lab. The one that we went to. We were there already. If you remember, the guy that investigated it ended up in the asylum (laughs) not too long ago. But uh, yeah, you could get someone else over and push him over the edge as well. Why not? I think last session I actually suggested that uh, we 
get someone perhaps from the university, if, if someone would like mm. to give Professor Randolph a call and see if he's got any colleagues in the chemistry department who are otherwise uh, available. You mm. did say that. So, uh, well, I mean, Milton and, and Emery, you're the ones that are, no, are friends. I'll order some room service while I'm at it. Are you going to call um, Professor Randolph, yes? Yes, yes. Maybe you get patched through from the switchboard and eventually you get through to Randolph and uh, he picks up the phone and he says, Milton, Milton, I'm so glad to hear from you. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I, I trust you've been enjoying the um, uh, nice relaxing time in, in, uh, in this beautiful city. Well, I've certainly been enjoying the food that you've got on offer around here. Um, not a lot of relaxing, though, I'm afraid. We've been pretty busy. We've been, been kind of all over the place, to be honest. All kinds of strange goings on. Bit of a busman's holiday then, Milton. No, exactly, exactly. I'm never, I'm never off duty. I can highly recommend if you do get a little weekend, going up the coast to, uh, go, going up the coast to Mendocino. Beautiful up there. A bit foggy, but uh, uh, very relaxing. Yes. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, very, very foggy. Yes, lots of fog. Anyway. Yes, yes. I've forgotten what I'm calling up for. <laughs> the weather report, apparently. <laughs> Now, you know, what is, spit it out then, man. I'm a bit busy today. I've got, a, got some papers to mark. This liquid, this strange uh, chemical substance. Right. That's not really my field, you know, not really my area. No, well, I wondered if you, if there was anybody there who, uh, you know, one of your colleagues. What, what, do you mean a chemist or something? Well, I, I guess. <laughs> Where do you get it? You said blue liquid. A space specialist, Milton. Someone who knows about space. Mm. Do you have any? Have you got any astrophysicists there, perhaps? Who, uh... Astrophysicists? What's, what on earth would they know about blue liquid? Well, it, it seems it's somewhat extraterrestrial, shall we say? Sorry, uh, it must be a bad line, Milton. I, I thought you said extraterrestrial. Well, it's not of this. Earth. Not of this earth. <laughs> I I know, I know it's Have you been so. drinking again, Milton? I told you daytime drinking was not not really you know Oh oh yeah, no, no, not a, yes. In, I I don't go anywhere near that sort of stuff anymore. I've got a, a jar of pickled eggs here that um, may have been on the turn. But I feel we're getting off track. Right, right. Well look look um, astro astrophysicist. Well there is this rather fellow. He it sounds perfect. He's Professor Charteris. He's got a bit of an odd reputation. He he started a, a course in, well, he calls it extraterrene biology, which of course is nonsensical, if you ask me, but he runs a semester class in it. Maybe he would be your chap. Uh, yes, I think we might try and perhaps hook up with his uh, chartery, did you say? Get his number, Milton. Get his number. Charterist. Yes, yes. Do you have a number for the chap? I suppose I could just patch you through to him. Uh, if you go back, or if you just call the switchboard, I'll put you back to the switchboard, and they'll, and they'll maybe they'll try and connect you if that's. That would be great. But I do hope you're not going to bring any undue criticism on our field, Milton. I mean, superstition and. It's one thing, but this sort of uh, this sort of uh, speculative sounds like hogwash to me, really. I, I understand that. You seem to be dealing with this charterist chap. 
Say thanks very much, Milton. We'll call you back again later. <laughs> yep. Okay. I, I think I can hear your friends rather encouraging us to. I've got someone here who wishes to use the phone. I'm afraid I'm going to have right, to... Right, right. Well, look, I'll, I'll put you through to the switchboard and they'll put you through to, to Professor Charteris. I have to warn you, though, he is a bit odd. That's fine, that's fine. It seems that... Uh... Thanks very much. Good day. Good day to you. Okay, okay. I'm putting you through now. And then you hear a click. And then the switchboard operator puts you through to Professor Charteris. The phone goes a couple of times and I'm realising now I probably should have called him um, the rocket scientist guy who the rocket fuel oh, Parsons Parsons yeah that would have been better wouldn't it <laughs> anyway too late it's Charteris so the phone goes and a voice at the other end says hello hello is that uh, Professor Charteris yes yes who's this do I know you uh, not not exactly no 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 we've, we've not met I've not met you say not met hmm not sure I like people I ain't met yet well, maybe we could uh, do something about that. Maybe we could. I, I have a, a in possession of a particular a substance which I believe might be something that might interest you. Maybe. Where'd you get it from? Well, an, an unfortunate incident. I'm not really obliged to go into details at the moment. All I can say is that it it's somewhat not of this world. It seems to be of off-planet in origin, if you understand what I'm saying. Not of this world, you say? Hmm. Who are you with? Just a few, a few friends. Friends, friends. I get funny phone calls from you types from time to time. I, I know what your game is. I'm not selling anything. No, I don't suppose you are, but, uh, what's your name? My name? Milton. Your name? Milton Blythe. I'm an archaeologist. A likely story. You may or may not have heard of me. I, my colleagues are... Uh, you could meet them if if we can possibly arrange some kind of meeting. What assurances do I have that you're not working for the opposition? I don't really know who the opposition is. <laughs> you would say that, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> I'm not really sure what, what more I could do to... Uh, you know, if you don't want to look at this stuff, I, I guess that that's fine. But it's uh, it's no, it's, no, no, it's no, a very no, unique. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, Mr. Milton. It's, it's a very unique substance. You have to understand, Mr. Blythe. I work in a very delicate area. Oh, I understand. Uh, yes, there are there are many people representing various different organisations that would be very keen to find out what uh, I have uncovered, you see. I have to be very careful. Ah, I see, I see. Well, if it's any reassurance, we're not after anything from you other than your opinion on what this matter, this substance, may be. Right. I'm coming now. Where are you? Marion. Yes, the, we're at the Marion Hotel. Meridian. Oh, it's are. the Meridian Hotel. Okay, okay. Did you get that? Uh, I think I know where that is. I'll see you in 27 minutes. And then he I look the forward there. to meeting you. I love a man of uh, precision. 26 minutes and 49 seconds later. Maybe I've got time to eat something, possibly. In that. How's our chamber pot looking after 26 minutes? Yeah. 
I, I, I was quite interested in the contents of the chamber pot, actually. You can make a spot hidden roll, both of Emery and, and Nora. Okay. Now, this is going to be a hard success. Ooh. Oh, oh nice. Uh, wow. Dr. Emery. Boom. You can see that it's it's just taken off the enamel in that 30 minutes. That there's a sort of dull... Maybe you maybe you just tip it to one side. And it's definitely eating away, but it's it seems to be going very slowly through it. Like, there's an area where it was... Sorry, uh, how, many, how many rooms have we got and how many chamber pots might we, be, uh, we might have to decamp Surely it's how many floors there are in the hotel is, is the, is the uh, key here, you know. Oh, can I attempt a Cthulhu Mythos roll then just to see whether I can make out anything about what this liquid is? You can. Is? You can, of course, always. Just don't... Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Nice, <laughs> Dr. Emery. A hard success. A hard success on Cthulhu Mythos. Fucking hell. <laughs> You've literally reversed your luck from last last session. You were failing everything, and now you're passing everything. Okay, you're looking at this stuff, at this blue stuff. What you realise when you're looking at it is that although it is liquid, it's moving like a liquid, but as you get closer and really peer at it, you realise that it's the blue is being caused by this really weird refraction of light. And it's made actually up of these tiny little crystals, this liquid. It's very strange. It's like a crystalline liquid, if that makes any sense, which it probably doesn't. And what you deduce, it's not like an acid. It's not eating away at this stuff like an acid. It's actually seeming to fold the molecules into itself. Ah, so it ties in very much with what I've been reading about. And I think then it, it would probably be fair to assume... Uh, Emery's talking to himself as he's looking at this, and assuming that people are listening to him. Uh, it would probably be fair to assume that whatever creature this came from has similar properties when it comes to being able to fold through dimensions. That, uh, hmm, that's that's... Fascinating and, and really quite troubling. And uh, given that you got a hard roll, given that you got a hard roll, you also somehow intuit, deduce that this camera somehow uses this fluid. Yes. Because actually, yes, of part of the diagram, there's like a sump or some kind of vessel that contains a liquid that perhaps the film runs across or something. It's hard to tell. Yes, of course, this this is all beginning to make some perverse kind of sense, I suppose, that uh, if the camera uses the liquid from this creature that has these dimension-folding properties, this may well explain what it is that has happened to Miss Turner, that, that the camera, as I suggested before, has somehow trapped her within by perhaps folding her or transposing her into a two-dimensional form and trapping her within its film, perhaps, or sending her somewhere else. Um, I'm, I need to see the camera in action to, to actually deduce that further, but uh, and, and perhaps that might not be a good idea, but, well, it's a, I, I, I mean, knowledge isn't advanced solely by good ideas, is it? Not all the time. That's quite the theory, Dr. Emery, but I think you might be right about that, as unbelievable as this is. So you think she's somehow trapped in the camera? Do you think the camera is like a 
a gateway of some kind or just yes within the camera or whatever passes for film within it perhaps or as i said perhaps that it's more of a projector and it is projected to somewhere else but whatever it is i think it's safe to say that miss turner if any of her still survives is not present within the same dimensions as us anymore do you think this might be a reversible process maybe if we were able to run the camera in reverse perhaps we could bring miss turner back perhaps i mean we have two skilled mechanics here don't we in the 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 form of hamp and miss rita i mean obviously this is very different from what they might have encountered in an aeroplane engine, but uh, would you perhaps be capable of working with those blueprints that we've acquired and and attempting to build a device of our own? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Get a reader and I on it. We can do anything. Good, good. I mean, you do understand, of course, that that I mean, you know, we'll be using this this sample of the blue liquid here as as they have in theirs. You do realize that there is a chance that this will, as you're working on it, transpose you to another dimension, or perhaps you know, increase or decrease the number of dimensions in which you exist. I mean, obviously, that that is an acceptable risk given the goal. But I thought it was only fair to warn you. I didn't understand a word of what you just said, but we'll be careful. Good, good, jolly good. But of course, the blueprint is very complex. This isn't um, the kind of thing you've ever seen before, so it won't necessarily be an easy task. However, a little while I've later... i fixed aeroplanes. How much more difficult can it get? A little while later, there's a knock on the door. And always says, Mr. Blythe? Hello. Ah, right on schedule. Don't come to the door yet. Don't come to the door yet. Okay. I need to sniff. Can I get you a hanky? No, no. Perfectly fine. And then you see a shadow at the bottom of, you know, the crack underneath the door. And you hear a... I think he might be powdering his nose. You can you can come to the door now. I just had to check. Okay. <laughs> right, so... Hello. You open the door to see... Well, I suppose you're classic mad scientist type. Hair all over the place. Scruffy. He's got some unidentifiable stains on his shirt and tie. Uh, his shoes probably haven't seen any shoe polish in about a couple of years. And he just pushes past you and he says, right, where is it? Where is it? Who are these guys? You didn't tell me you were with people. I thought you said you weren't with people. I, no, I clearly stated that I have friends with me. Uh, but I assure oh, you, you did, they did you? are. Yes, yes. I assure you, you know, we're all in it together. Are you? A conspiracy then? Well, we carried it back from in the car. He drove it there, the other doctor. He's been finding out all kinds of things about it so far, so you're kind of a bit late, even though you've been really quick. He says with a British accent, You're all British, aren't you? Hamp here. And Rita. <laughs> and Rita. And Nora. Nora's not British. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how you how you limeys like to divide up your, your island, but either way, what, what are you doing here? You could come over here. Is it the British Secret Service? Yes, clearly, clearly that. Uh, So, uh, Professor Charteris, what are your thoughts on organisms that are capable of traversing multiple dimensions? Who told you about this, mister? We have deduced ourselves based on the samples we've gathered. So, what are your thoughts on it? And, And it's not mister, it's doctor. Doctor what? Watson. Emery Watson. Of... I do not currently have tenure. I I am more of a, I suppose one could say a freelance anthropologist. 
Anthropology. <laughs> That's kid stuff. Is it Dr. On Call? It's been very nice meeting you, Dr. Charteris. I'm, I'm sure you must be going now. Well, no. Uh, look, I'm sorry. I I know I can come across a bit rough sometimes, but you got you got to understand, there are people out there that don't have good intentions for me. Uh, they're always watching, you see, wherever I go. Perhaps then you should look at this stuff and, and get back to safety as soon as possible. Mm, I wouldn't get too near the windows either. I'm just checking the street. That man there at the bus stop, do you know him? He says, pointing to the, just a random man sitting at the bus stop. Would it be more alarming to you, Professor Charteris, if we did or didn't know him? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that one. Jesus Christ! There's this blue stuff burning a hole in a potty! <laughs> exactly. Could you please come and look at the stuff? I just had to be sure that you weren't with them. Ask the questions later and look at the stuff in the party. Okay, okay. Christ. All right, now, what is this stuff? Where did you find it? That's why we called you up. Well, uh, give me some uh, context here, woman. It was found at the scene of a crime. Crime. Out in the desert. Where was it? Again, I've forgotten where we went to. We found it at the site of the... Of the Collins accident. Yes, I, I can't help but feel that we're concentrating on the wrong details here. What is important is that this liquid was somehow exuded, or perhaps it forms some type of blood, but it is a, a sort of crystalline liquid that has been exuded by, as I said, one of these creatures that exists within multidimensional space. Yeah, that sounds about right. Now, give me your pen. Well, not my pen. I mean, Rita, you, you look like someone who has cheap pens. I've got a chewed pencil you can use. Oh, that'll do. Just give it, give it here. Here you go. And, and then he stomps off into the bathroom and he goes, Ah, yeah. Oh, I see. Huh. Interesting. Are you accompanying him into the bathroom, I assume? Yes, yes. Well, at least one or two of you are. Okay, and he, he's kneeling They're down. They're all crowded in there, like night at the opera. We do believe somebody else is in possession of this uh, liquid. You do, do you? Mm. Huh. Well, let me have a look. And he gets the pencil and he just gently prods it into the liquid. And he goes, ah, yeah, crystalline liquid. Yeah, yes, yeah. And, and isn't it fascinating the way that it mimics caustic properties by actually uh, folding the um, the matter that it comes into contact with down through a number of dimensions? I, I've never encountered anything quite like that before. You're pretty smart for a limey. Show him the device, the blueprints. I shall take that with all the offence intended. And he says, you're absolutely right. Look at that. And you see... And he holds it up. And he says, look, the, the wood and the, and the lead are being absorbed in different ways. Yes, yes, yes. It's course. almost as if it, it has a has an intent. Well, we, we are we are fairly certain that it is organic in nature, though apparently, what was it, uh, Miss Charles, that your your colleague said that it it came from some sort of silicon-based life form? Yes, he didn't wasn't sure exactly the chemical, but it was not carbon-based. Well, of course it won't be carbon-based. I mean, any any child would know that. I mean. How arrogant of us to assume that our format would be replicated in other life forms throughout this infinitely large universe. Ah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Hamp was not real interested in all these goings-ons until we started talking about this having different effects on different materials, and now he's his engineering mind is churning, so now he's like, 
poking his head in like, what now, what now, what now? Now, There's something important here I gotta know about. He's taking notes. Do you see what it's actually doing though, gentlemen and ladies? It seems to be using these materials to do something. That's fascinating. What exactly do you... I have no idea. It's beyond me, but... Well, there are certain theories. There's a young man I know called uh, Mr. Vannevar Bush. Don't know if you've heard of him. Very, uh, very ingenious young man. He has an idea that, that matter can be encoded as information. Fascinating. Anyway. What kind of information? Yeah, he's a young man at the university. He's, uh, yeah, I think he's got a big future ahead of him. But anyway, this seems to be proof that matter can contain information. Would you not say? Maybe this is beyond you. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe we've never grappled with such big ideas, but... Uh... To be quite honest with you, I thought when you were going to come here and inspect something that you might have brought some specialist equipment and instead you turn up here and you ask me for my pencil. Well... Just because I haven't got proper funding doesn't mean that I am not a proper scientist, miss. Are you telling me that you don't have a, mi a magnifying glass or something like that? Microscope? I've only just got a desk. Jeez. <laughs> Look, can I take this with me? Yeah, do you want to borrow my lead knickers? Your knickers? My lead knickers. No, I don't. Is that something to do with baseball? So he says, well, well, can I at least take a small sample of it? It looks like you won't be able to keep hold of it for very long. This thing will destroy the molecular structure of this bath within, I would say, four to five hours. Uh, yes, but the hotel has a, a goodly supply of chamber pots. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make do. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe so. But maybe I can figure out what could contain this thing without it being uh, absorbed, if you see what I mean. Yes, yes, I mean, if you could, if you could do that. Why don't we do a deal, then? Hmm? You can have half of it if you can give us the other half in a container that it won't melt. Now, hang on, hang on. You said you recovered this from the crash site? This was where? On the ground. Yeah, it was on the ground. No, no, no. Where was the crash site? It was on the one going south. How far? Well, it was about 12 miles, actually. He says, ah, right. So that would put you um, somewhere past sand. Who's it? Ah, sand. It was on sand, wasn't it? Ah, do you, do you suppose then this relates somehow to it being silicon-based, that uh, perhaps the, the, the silicates within the sand are no longer absorbed because it's, it's already saturated with them? I would say that is a highly likely explanation, unless there were some impurities in the, in the sand itself that was causing that. But I would suggest a bucket of sand might uh, be a better solution. Well, that shouldn't be too hard. I thought the whole point was not to make a solution. Now I happen to have some sand here in my pocket. Well, I, I'm sure, I'm sure if we go out into the corridor, there'll be buckets of sand in case of fires. Let's make a luck roll. <laughs> Let's see if the fire code is up to scratch. We'll make a group luck roll, which I suppose would still be Emery, wouldn't it, probably? Okay. No, that's... No, it's still me. I, I think it's you. Okay, let's see if you're streak. My God! <laughs> streak. Bloody hell. Last session, I couldn't roll under 90. This time, I can't seem to roll over 20. That's <laughs> perfect. There are four buckets of sand on the landing outside. Take your pick. One of them's got some cat uh, feces in it, though, so perhaps not that one. Yeah, we'll bring in one of the other ones, fish out the inevitable cigarette butts and use that. 
who's going to do the scooping? Remember, it, this stuff is highly uh, corrosive. I can do that. I can. I can do it. You need to make a dexterity roll then. Oh no! Oh, okay. You can spend luck on that if you want. Yes. Do you want to spend four luck? Oh, okay. Yeah. As so, I'm trying to get the chamber pot. You know, pour it into the sand bucket. I don't realize that it's already kind of almost moving towards my hand, like it wants to eat my hand. And so I pull it back at the very last minute before it can touch me. Yeah, it almost sort of seems to kind of surge towards you or make a, a little lunge for you as it pours down into the sand. So and I'm then... picturing the um, blood from the thing when I'm picturing it. Yep. Maybe not too far off. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the professor, the, the professor uh, Charteris, he goes, yep, seems like we were right. Look, there's no vapor. I believe we have stabilized this material. Does that mean that we can put it in glass things? I would imagine that would be the case. Silica? Naturally, yes. Interesting. Does this mean I can have my chamber pot back? Just make sure there's none left on the rim when you sit down. <laughs> on the other hand, if you leave some inside, it means you never have to clean the chamber pot out again. It becomes self-cleaning. So the professor goes, yes, yes, you're right, but, uh, but perhaps some, some toughened glass uh, of some kind. As I said, I don't have any equipment in my office, but could probably get something. Now, listen, you cannot breathe a word of this to anyone. This sort of thing, if it gets out, will cause panic. Well, we weren't going to go broadcasting it to everybody. Very good, very good. Now, you asked me what you thought this might come from. Was that it? We have certain theories, but yes, yeah, we would be very interested in hearing your opinion. Well, Martians. Of course. This is the blood of Martians. Would stake my reputation on it. Do you actually have a reputation to stake? I take great offence at that. I may not be very well known, but I will be soon. I thought your area of expertise was aquatic extraterrestrial. Aquatic? I Why would you say you, that? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that's what you said earlier. No, no, I, th I, think, I think you heard someone refer to him as a quack. Oh, that's it. I didn't come here to be offended by the likes of you. If you, if you don't want to hear my theories, I will say good night. Uh, good day. You academic types. Oh, please... If it were Martians, though, why would the Martians go after Mr. Collins? What what business would they have to cause an accident? Well, this this is obviously the first stage of, a, of an invasion. Ah, yes, of course. You're looking sceptical there, Dr. Watson. What makes you think that uh, this is uh, something else? As I said, the properties of the fluid, or if one can even call it a fluid, are very much in keeping with the extra-dimensional nature of the entity that it came from. And I think it's fair to assume that... It is not something as mundane as a Martian, that wherever this comes from, I think we are not necessarily looking out, but beyond, if you follow my, my thinking. Yes, Mars doesn't strike me as being exotic enough for this substance. Well, given that nobody knows what's on Mars... And we have very little likelihood of ever knowing what's on Mars. I don't see how you can make that assumption. There could well be strange, multidimensional beings living there as, as easily as, as there could be the ones in Atlantis. 
Well, if they're multi-dimensional, then technically they could be living anywhere. Yes, including right here on Earth. Indeed. I will have my theories, you can have yours. All I can say is, I have helped you. I would be very uh, grateful if next time you're passing by, a small donation to the um, Department of Extraterrene Biology would be most gladly accepted. Ah, extraterrene biology. I thought you said marine. Are you thinking of the uh, a terrine as in a pate, Doctor? I'm often thinking of pate, I must admit, yes. Oh, you're thinking of a tureen, which, yeah, I suppose, does bear some resemblance to a large chamber pot. Yeah, it all links together, doesn't it? It's such a small world. I'm going to dig deep into my pocket and pull out a $1 bill, and I'm going to give it to the good professor. And I'll have my pencil back, thanks very much. He hands you back the pencil and he says, Well, I guess beggars can be choosers, and he puts it in his pocket and he says, Well, I'll be seeing you. I'm just going to get this other bucket here and take a little scoop with me as we agreed as we agreed and and i'm gonna roll dexterity for him <laughs> see whether he burns his hand off i was fully expecting us to spend the rest of the session having to explain his dead body he goes off whistling tunelessly down the corridor <laughs> right hamp what do you make of all this i'm not sure if it's nonsense or not but if there's some sort of if spacemen is real, then they probably got, you know, the best planes you've ever seen. And and I want to know what this thing is and, and, and what it can do. And I want to I want to build it. I'm kind of obsessed now. So I'm thinking, like, how do we get the parts? What do you know? What, what kind of raw materials do we need? What kind of stress testing do we need to do on this blue shit? Now, given that you that you, you've got a couple of little projects, then uh, the reading of the spell mm. and the possibly trying to figure out the thing, we could just do a bit of a fast forward to the middle of the next week, unless there were things that you wanted to do before the film shoot starts. Yeah, I'm, I think a montage would work well. We can have an A-team montage with uh, Hamp with a cigar in, jammed into his mouth with a blowtorch. <laughs> And Rita, covered in, in engine oil <laughs> in her overalls. <laughs> me, me eating a variety of different meals. Em- Emery surrounded by books, making notes and drinking gin straight from the bottle. I was just going to say, I, I think we should build some kind of suitcase disguise around the, the camera that we build so that we can turn up at the film shoot and not look too conspicuous. If ever there was a place where a cine camera wouldn't look out of place. Well, that's true, but then we, also we wouldn't want anybody to, you know, accidentally pick it up or use it. And it's going to look like the weird one. I was going to say, Nora, is there, is there anything that you might want to do during this montage, like prepare anything or do any research of your, your own? I want to find out more about Trevelyan if I can somehow. I don't know if Hammett would have information. Because I'm pretty sure he's probably going to try something eventually. So I, I kind of want to find out more about him, maybe where he came from, what his involvement is. In... Okay. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. TJ and, uh, and Barney, why didn't you, like, narrate the montage then? Lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. Pistol packing mama, lay that pistol down. 
Yeah, we're, we're looking at the blueprints and, you know, pointing out things and a lot of really overacted head shaking and rubbing the chin, that hard thinking kind of things. And then there's the scene of us like going and because we can't just pick a piece of luggage or briefcase or whatever. We decide we need to go buy something new. So we're like luggage shopping and in an apartment store. <laughs> go to Macy's. <laughs> yeah. But we've got like our blueprints with us. <laughs> We're working on a billiard table, and then we spill glue over on the billiard table and laugh. Oh, there's got to be one where you've got these kind of ground-like lenses, and then one of you holds them up in front of their eyes and make the eyes really big. And copying measurements down and uh, getting them wrong. Or, uh, I don't know, blowing blowing our noses on some, a corner of the blueprint. Spilling the blue stuff. Oh, well, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so before we do this, are steal, you... we've got to steal. We've got to steal a dish from Milton. Milton, whilst he's eating, uh, or something, some like crockery or, or cutlery from him. Glass, his glass. I don't know. We take the gin bottles off Emery. We have to sneak in and take all of the all because he's finally got some shut eye, and we sneak in and take all of the empty bottles from him. Well, as long as they're just the empties. Now, the question I'm going to ask you is, are you actually going to try and implement the blue fluid in it, or are you just going to build the thing, try and build the thing, and perhaps leave... We the- clearly have to try it. I mean, there's no point in doing this and, and not attempting to actually determine whether it works before we need it. So, so that's Emery persuading us to do that late one night when we think we're finished and we're all looking at it and he's just telling we're all drunk and he's just telling us that that's what we have to do. I'm not going to tell you what you need. However, given that both uh, Hamp and Rita are working on it, one of you should be the lead engineer, the other will be supporting. Uh, so it'll be one of you will make the role with a bonus dice. I know I've got a little bit lower mech repair, but I've got plenty of luck to spare, so I think I should take the main role and reader should okay. support. If that's all right. Rita knows that she's the one doing all of the work, but, you know, she lets Hamp. But she won't get any of the credit, because that's how it worked back then. Very, very, uh, uh, you know, authentic 1920s I, I like science. that we, we throw in some chauvinism and nastiness to cover the metagaming. With a dash of sharp feminism, which just kind of undermines the, the end effect of the machismo. Exactly. Right, right, right. For sure. All right, so here we go. Here we go, Hamp. This is an important role. Oh, I don't have to use any luck, huh? No, you don't. You got an extreme. Wow, 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 wow. You wouldn't even. What I do? Okay. Well, you are pretty sure, with all of your mechanical knowledge, you are pretty sure that what you've built is an, an exact rendition of that blueprint. An exact rendition. And together, you and Rita celebrate. So now that you've built it, you kind of can see more clearly how how it works. We hug and dance around and nearly knock it over. Of course. <laughs> Make a luck roll. No, but what you realize now, there's a, like a cartridge or, or container where the fluid is meant to go. And what happens is the, the film just runs past one end of this of this cartridge and gets smeared with the blue fluid. But given your extreme role, you've realized that based on how quickly the film is moving and how much fluid you've got, you probably don't have more than enough to cover, well, probably 
20 seconds of film. Does the camera have a single frame function? Andy? Oh, God. Would it be a crank handle? Exactly. Yes, it would. Okay. Oh, God. You're going to metagame this now, aren't you? No, it just like we've just built the goddamn thing. And so basically, instead of cranking away, we could just turn it a little bit. Yeah. So, so what I would say is running at normal speed to film something at the right speed at which you would need to play it back in its 20 seconds worth. Yes, certainly you can run the film slower, but it's not designed necessarily to run like that. It seems to just have one, one speed that it should run at, but you could run it slower. 20 seconds, you say? Yeah. Okay. So, roughly speaking... We've got 500 frames, maybe, something like that. Bit more, bit this. Now, what it does, you have no idea, of course. You have your speculation, but, yeah, it's only that. Well, the problem is that by our calculations, we've only got 20 seconds worth of uh, blue slime. Hmm. Well, I suppose we better make it count. I'm not entirely sure yet under which circumstances we'll be using this device, but I imagine we'll know what they are when they come up. That's quite true, yeah. Now, I mean, just one thought about all of this is that if there's the film and it's got the blue stuff in the camera, then it must be going into the camera onto the film, otherwise there's no point in having the film there. Yes. Uh, yes, I suppose that's fair. Like, what I mean is, you know, we were talking about it, was it, or you were talking about, maybe it's going out or somewhere else. Uh, so that does lend credence to the idea that the film is then used to somehow trap or contain whoever or whatever it is that's filmed. I suppose the strange thing then would be what happens if when you project yes, it. Yes, well, I mean, if we can get hold of the film upon which Miss Turner has been imprinted. Well, assume this is what's happened to her, but if we can get hold of that. And I, I don't know. I don't know enough about such things. Would we then develop it? Or does the film just work because of the presence of the blue slime? Unfamiliar enough with photography to, to have an opinion here. Development question, that's, that's a whole other layer on all of this, to be sure question is what do we want to capture what do we want to capture on this well, camera as i said I, I i suspect that we'll know when it comes up if we have this in our arsenal when we arrive at the film shoot i suspect that whoever it is who took that film who was working with mr trevelyan or maybe it was mr trevelyan himself i suspect that they will be at the film shoot as well how quick hamp do you do you think that we can Get the blue stuff into the camera to use it. The cartridge is glass. Once you put it in there, it would stay stable inside the glass tube. Okay, that's that's good. But clearly, this thing presumably would dissolve the film at some point, because the film isn't made from silica. So does that mean you suspect that whatever film stock is used is not standard film stock? Or perhaps the medium that was used to capture uh, Miss Turner uh, is no longer exists. It depends very much on what one's intentions are when one uses the camera. If 
if it is merely transposing the person onto film briefly and then being quite happy when the film degrades, just providing one a means of disposing of a body without leaving much in the way of physical evidence, then it doesn't matter if the, the film dissolves. That kind of solves the whole development and projection problem. Yes, if that's the case, it's probably fair to assume that there is no hope for Miss Turner. So let's conclude those other two outstanding issues. We'll do Nora first. So, Nora, during, during the next few days, you've perhaps spent, spent some time in, in the um, San Francisco Public Library. Maybe you've been having the odd meeting with, with your erstwhile employer actually maybe he is still employing you i don't know but either way you've been you've been meeting up with hammer a couple of times let's say it's a, the day before the film shoot uh, is 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 due to start the day before you're you're meant to be heading down to southern california and you have a, a meeting with Hammett. Uh, he he left a, a message at the hotel uh, front desk saying asking you to that he found something really interesting and he wanted to discuss it with you so he arranged to meet you at the diner of course and he's sitting there just drinking a black coffee and uh, occasionally pulling out his his surreptitiously pulling out his little flask and topping it up uh, with his uh, whiskey and he says ah oh, Nora <laughs> you're looking tired you've been you've been working hard I guess well uh, this is a very different situation from anything I've investigated before. Talk of strange extra-dimensional entities and Martians and, and Atlantis and all kinds of all kinds of strange things that I never expected to come across in my my work as a private investigator, but I'm really interested in uh, finding out more about um, the big boss, if you know what I mean. You said you had some information? Yeah, I tell you what, it'll 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 make a good story when we put this all together. I'm I'm sure we can make a uh, run a series on it in the, in the in the magazine when this is all done and dusted. Yeah, I uh, I did find uh, out something. We've been looking through the the records on Trevelyan, and um, here's the thing. You see, how old would you say he is? Sixty, fifties? Yeah, I'd like say that. early early sixties. Yes. So look. The first record of Trevelyan in in San Francisco dates back to 1901, okay? Seems like he moved to the city then. But here's the thing. There's seemingly no record of him anywhere before that date. I checked uh, New York. I checked Chicago. Because I figured, well, maybe he just moved here. I did an exhaustive check on him. There is no record of any Hawksley Trevelyan before 1901 when suddenly he just appears, you know, fully formed. I reckon he's uh, got a, a fake identity. That's, that's, that's what I'm assuming. Yes, this could be. Perhaps he doesn't, he has unsavory, well, he seems like an unsavory type, I can tell you that. So perhaps he has something in his past he's wanting to hide. Or that he's trying to escape? Yeah. That was the first thing that I thought of. And then I, I don't know, I got this notion. I thought, okay, well, there's no record of him for the 1880s. You know, let's assume he is 60. What, he would have been born about 1870? No birth record, nothing like that. I wasn't going to let that go. You know, I used to be good at this. 
Nora. You may, you may find that hard to believe, but I used to be pretty good at this. I did a bit more digging. Went back a bit further. There's a birth record for a Hawksley Trevelyan in Santa Fe in 1765. Now, that's surely just a coincidence, yeah? Well, 1765? Well, it's got to be a relative. It's not exactly a common name, but you know, these, these fancy families, they often pass down the names, don't they? But, you know, I looked into it. Let's say Trevelyan Senior. He just... No, no record of any marriage. In fact, no record at all of him. After the... About 1810? 1812? He would have been... About the age... He is now. No, or Hawksley yeah. Junior, let's say. I don't know. So if we're gonna just... Uh, as I said, I've learned a lot about occult and strange happenings over the past couple of weeks since meeting the doctor and and his other friends. Are you thinking that he could somehow be the same person? Hey, now, Nora. <laughs> I never said that. But if you want to put two and two together and get eight, maybe. Well, I didn't say it. Look, Nora, you've been seeing some strange things. I've been seeing some strange things. But what are we saying here? This guy's immortal? He's Methuselah? Isn't that a step too far? You know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I might have said yes. And maybe he's not a Methuselah, but maybe... Oh, this is going to sound really crazy. You probably think I've lost my mind. But maybe he spent some time in another dimension where time didn't pass for him the way it does for us. <laughs> Hang on, have you been reading my notebook? No, this is... Uh, this is... As you laugh. No. You see, I love I love H.G. Wells and all that stuff. I, I've been trying to write something like that for the magazine, and uh, it's like you were reading my notes for it. Time travel. Or something like that. Yeah, and you know, I wouldn't call it time travel, per se, but the, Dr. Emery has put these notions in my head about extra-dimensional travel and folding in of matter and time and... I'm starting to think it just might be possible. Oh, I see what you mean. It's like he stepped from one place to another, like from one time to another. Yes, perhaps. I don't get it, but... Uh... Well, anyway, that's what the record says. And uh, look, if you're going down there, oh, I don't know, if he can do stuff like that, I'd be real careful, Nora. Yes, I think, I think I'm going to talk to the others too about this theory because I think Dr. Emery would be interested in this information especially and we'll be very careful because I think he can be a very dangerous man Just even without the possible extra dimensional travel aspect I think he's not someone who enjoys being crossed oh yeah I, I heard about your your little house call you paid yes did not go as well as I could have hoped he says well look uh, you know what Nora I fancy a bit of sunshine. It's so cold up here in the summers. Why don't I um, uh, head down there? I won't come to the film set, but maybe there's a uh, a nice little hotel somewhere out in, um, oh, I don't know, Bakersfield or somewhere I can uh, hole up. Uh, so I'm not too far away. What do you say? Yes, I think that would be good. And the, the air might help with that cough that you still have. It's still can't shake it, eh? Oh, that's true, that's true. Okay, so 
Hammett finishes up his coffee and tips his hat and says, well, I'll head down tomorrow in my own car and I'll, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I know a hotel there uh, in Bakersfield. I'll, I'll uh, write down the number for you. If, if you need anything, just call. And he gives you, he gives you the number. Thank and, you, Mr. Uh, Hammett. Yep. He, head, he heads off. So, well, time-traveling magicians, eh? <laughs> Something like that. I think we now have to see what see what Emery has has managed to achieve with his gin and arcane research. So tell me tell me a little bit about what happened in the last few days as you were. So yes, I, Doctor Watson has been spending his time just poring over these notes from unspeakable cults and just cross-referencing them with these physics texts that he found at the library before and. Uh, try to extrapolate them a bit and, and try to make sense of the way that this incantation is presented and see how it all ties together. And he, this is in a series of different altered states of consciousness that would do Hunter S. Thompson proud. He's basically running on caffeine, alcohol and sleep deprivation. Every now and then he crashes out for a little bit when the the gin outweighs the coffee, but he is just fueling himself entirely through a variety of mind-altering liquids and trying to make all these these dancing, shifting squiggles on the page make sense in his mind. Fantastic. I'd like to think at some point you even have to get the notion that perhaps the blue liquid could make a really interesting uh, uh, spirit. I'd like to think that at some point, yeah, Hamp and Rita have had to physically restrain Dr. Watson and stop him from trying to drink it. Just one, one little drop of it in the gin. I'm sure, I'm sure that'll give me the insight I need. Yes, yes, that, that, that's it. The mind-altering properties of it are... You keep looking at it suspiciously, and we have to we we you know cast little looks at you and move it away. After three days, every time he looks in the direction of the bucket with the the sand and the liquid, and he just licks his lips. <laughs> and of course, as we said last time, you're really having to push it. You're really having to burn the candle because typically this would take longer. But you're 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 really pushing yourself to the limit here. So yeah, the night before you're due to head off, you feel like you finally managed to get some kind of mental image of what this thing is doing and uh, what this spell is intended to do. And you, you realise that it's almost like the resonance of the words when they're uttered. Of course, that makes sense, because if you think about it, when one speaks, the sound waves are actually vibrating the air itself. And if if you utter the right series of sounds, then, of course, it's, it's only perfectly reasonable that one then vibrates the, the molecules of the air through different dimensions. Of course. It's, it's simplicity itself. Okay, now make that intelligence roll. <laughs> now you're going to fumble. <laughs> <No>. 91. Oh, <laughs> but, boy. But on the other hand, I think under the circumstances... Not quite a fumble. Yeah, I've got to find some way of pushing this. And, and you know what? For all we joked about it, I think Emery is going to sneak a little drop of the blue liquid into his gin. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. That's the. But before you can do that, I just want to see whether either of them notice you doing it. Clearly, I mean, yeah. What Doctor Watson, being a cunning drunk, is is going to wait until everyone else is asleep before doing this. Rita, given that you're probably the most suspicious of everyone, make a psychology roll, Rita. Oh, 
Dr. Emery, he's such a, he's such a lovely guy. He's such a lovely guy. He brings you drinks when just when you think you really need one. And he's always there asking questions, all the right kind of questions all the time. He's such a nice old chap. Make that in- intelligence roll, Dr. Emery. Extreme success. <laughs> I'm actually slightly disappointed that I succeeded there. (laughs) But somehow, dumb luck, you take the tiniest droplet of the blue slime, you see it dissolving in this sort of swirling cloud. It actually makes a vortex. It's perfect, like spiralling vortex, like a miniature cyclone inside the gin. I think this may be the breakthrough that I've been looking for. I mean, looking at the way that the blue tinge is moving through the gin, I mean, that isn't just moving through three-dimensional space. Fascinating. You feel very strange inside as this gin courses down your gullet. You feel like there's light shining inside your body as it goes down. You can feel the heat, the warmth of it passing, but it also, you somehow know that you're being lit up on the inside. And you now understand this spell. You understand what it does. You can tell me how you feel about it, but I would say most people might feel a little bit scared because what this spell is, it is a ward against an attack from a dimensionally shifted creature that is on its way to destroy you. Yes, I mean, there are the basic building blocks here. I wonder whether this, under the right interpretations, could be used to do more than just simply protect against it, but perhaps to subjugate it. And I guess we will find out. It's thank you time again. So first of all, thank you, as usual, to Sirenscape for providing the amazing sound beds, sound effects and music for the podcast. We can't do this without you, especially the way we want to put this podcast together. Your amazing sound engineers just produce the most perfect ambience and audio effects for podcasting. So for those of you that don't know Sirenscape, go and check them out. Their sound sets aren't just useful for podcasts, they're great to use at the table. Two particular sets that I use all the time are the Master of Nihilathotep, which I think now is completely done, all seven chapters, and the Two-Headed Serpent, which I think they've just released the Calcutta one, so kudos to Sirenscape. Also, of course, this podcast, it would exist, but it wouldn't have the same joy and energy it does have if it wasn't for the Patreon backers. I love you all, I thank you all, you make my day my month my year and at whatever level you're backing i'm just so so grateful and thank you for helping us keep going and a big thank you goes out this week to zach teichmann i hope i'm pronouncing that right teichmann i seem to remember my german class so ei is usually pronounced i isn't it well you can correct me if i'm wrong but zach thank you so much for backing us and by the look of it you're our first aussie backer so thanks mate Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist. Anyway, please don't take offence at my terrible Australian Australian accent. Recently, I've been running the um, the Australia chapter of, of Mask of Nihilathotep, and so I've been practising my Oka my Oka accent a bit. And I, I think it's pretty terrible, to be honest. But at least I don't do it like Cockney. You know, I don't mix up Cockney with Aussie. You know, at least that's one thing I can keep straight. <laughs> All right, I'll stop now. I'll stop now. Thank you, Zach, and apologies. And may you long be a patron and and long enjoy the content that we're putting out.